On two consecutive nights in April 2016, the first Mellotron duet concert took place in a packed Crosstown Arts in Memphis, Tennessee. Seemingly with all of Memphis present, Robbie Grant and Jonathan Kirksky played Mellotrons provided by collector Winston Eggleston. After Winston finished building his own Mellotron, Robbie was invited over to test it out, and the idea for the world's first duet for Mellotron concert was born. Kevin Cubbins with Beale Street Caravan recorded the show and the record will be released on January 13th, 2017. We interviewed Robbie, Jonathan, and Winston on the impetus for the concert, their fascination with the Mellotron, and other fun facts and personal experiences with this unique instrument. Enjoy the interview. Well, thanks y'all for coming out. And I was wondering if we could, if y'all could introduce yourselves before Maybe we get started. Maybe give a small background if you don't mind a quick briefing on who you are. Sure. Um, I'm Robbie Grant, uh, playing one of the Mellotrons uh, at the Duets for Mellotron. I've been a Memphis musician for years, Um, played in multiple bands around Memphis, including Mouse Rocket, Man Control, um, and in the 90s, Big Ass Truck. Been playing with Jonathan for 10 years, uh, doing Mouse Rocket. I've been friends with Winston since high school, so... Been a, this has been a fun project. Uh, my name is Jonathan Kirksey, and I'm <clears throat> the other Mellotron player on the concert. And I, uh, I play cello with Memphis Symphony. It's kind of my regular gig. And um, do some composing, um, film composing mostly. Uh, and like Robbie said, we've been playing together for a long time in Mouse Rocket. Um, I played in a bunch of other bands too. And this is my first Mellotron band. <laughs> I mean, not exactly a band, but... Uh. Um, my name's Winston Eggleston, and I'm a very old friend of Robbie's from high school, and known John for a few years, and um, somehow got involved with collecting Mellotrons at one point, and um, here I am. Well, that's actually really good. So I want you to start off uh, talking about how you got into the Mellotrons and how you know, your love for them you know, started, and then you guys can answer, too. Um, just, you know, just getting into music and, you know, when I was younger, really got heavy into the Beatles and very much into um, Strawberry Fields and just getting obsessed with the that song in the beginning and, and realizing that that wasn't um, a flute, but it was something called a Mellotron and then just, pers- you know, get pursuing that and um, later in life, a mutual friend of ours, Steve, got me into collecting guitars and other things and at one point I just kind of thought about, wow, what about a Mellotron one day, which was a distant like possibility in my mind back then, and um, an opportunity rose, and then <clears throat> I, I got one, and just progressively got more into it, and um, still doing it. So, how many do you have? Um, now I have six, um, and and a few digital ones, but um, they're just it, um, I don't really play, but I just I enjoy like um, collecting them and fixing them, restoring them, and um, looking at them and whatever, yeah. <laughs> when did you guys start? Uh... Winston and I had a love for the Beatles probably right around the same time. We were probably obsessing over the, you know, when it was hard to find bootlegs of, of, of stuff and you had to go to 
you know, your local record store and pay 50 bucks for some, you know, rare Beatles thing. This was before the, whatever the, 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 the anthology stuff that they put out. So, um, you know, being somewhat aware of it then, but, um, you know, when we were, you know, big ass truck recorded it easily. So the easily had a Mellotron and we use it on, on a couple of our recordings. And I mean, there's nothing like it at all. Like, I mean, you, there's synthesizers and, 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 you know, now we have, you know, endless options of ways to make sounds, but this was just a really unique way to make the sounds. Um, and then more recently, you know, just going over to Winston's house and be like, Oh dude, you got a Mellotron. I mean, I remember when y'all were at easy, either Easley's or Arnett and like, I knew you all said there's a Mellotron here. I was like, can, can I come look at it? You know, or like <laughs> nerd out or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, most recently just Winston, um, you know, telling me he had built a Mellotron and, you know, or built the wood, you know, the outside of it and going to see it. I mean, I remember, you know, back in high school, Winston, like, built me a, like a, a CD case, like out of wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He built me a CD case out of wood. So he's, had, you know, he's been in woodworking. So that's like a really awesome, like, like convergence of, of, of two things that he really loves. So going over there and seeing him with it and then just spending time with it. And then this, this whole concert has just been really kind of organic how it just has kind of happened so it's been fun uh my my first melodron experience was i also at a recording studio i think it was over at ardent studio that's the first time i saw one and uh i got to play it and use it on a recording and i was just like this is one of the weirdest instruments i've ever seen it's kind of wonky like you don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen when you press a key down and <laughs> some, some some of the keys sound kind of different from the other ones and it's um uh, it doesn't always do exactly what you, what you expect. Interesting things just come out of it, and uh, it's kind of fascinating. Plus, there's a, a software version of it, too, which I use sometimes in composing. So. Is that iPad? Um, it's a, it's a, a software version for, you know, whatever kind of computer oh, okay. you want to use it with. But it has, it's kind of like the, the digital version of the Mellotrons, where it has all the different sounds from all the different models of Mellotron. So, so what song uh, would you guys say are you most surprised to hear the Mellotron on or f discover that it was the Mellotron? I mean, I can, that's easy for me. That's easy for me because, I mean, one of my favorite songs, uh, one of my favorite records is the, is the Kinks Village Green album. And we were messed, we had decided to do this concert. We were practicing at Winston's place. And he's like, did you know that Sophisticated Cat is a Mellotron? I'm like, what? Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, I don't even, Phenomenal. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, did you know Phenomenal? I was like, no. And so he did that whole piece and the whole song. And then, and then even more so, we were listening to it when we did the Weevil show a couple weeks ago. He's like, even the rock guitar part is like Mellotron. Like the whole thing's Mellotron. So oh, that's wow. easy. That's easy for me because yeah, it's okay. a recent experience. Yeah, so. awesome. Kinks are some of my f most favorite uh, Mellotron users. That record. Mm -hmm. What else for you? What's in the, I mean, like. Um, obviously Beatles. And then and, and the, the Stones and um, Satanic Majesty's Request and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm really more of the um, kind of late 60s. British Invasion Melodron. Jane Dean used it on there. Really? Saves a Rainy Day. Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. Really? Listen to that album. Oh, mm -hmm. I should. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, most Melotron freaks are big prog dudes. Oh, okay. And I'm not <laughs> one true. of those. And I like it. I appreciate it, but it's not, you know. Right. Whatever. 
I, I don't even know that many Mellotron songs, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I knew about the Beatles yeah. and, uh, of course, like the, the Moody Blues, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. famous for using it. And, and, and listening back, re, you know, more recently to the instrumental version of Space Oddity and just realizing how much of that song is Mellotron. And with the vocals there, they cover it up a lot, you know, and it's, but with the, with the vocals out of there, it was just, you know, it's cool to hear it soar in there. So. So was it hard for y'all to um, learn how to play the Mellotron? I mean, oh, yes. I assume you'll, yeah, okay. So how was, how, was, how was learning that? Like what kind of the process and the discovery of that? I'm sure that was fun. Well, they're, they're, they're not really easy instruments to play. Um, the, uh, you know, the keyboard doesn't necessarily have the greatest feel. It doesn't really feel like a, a piano, exactly. Um, and especially with the, with the analog ones, you have to be really careful with them. You know, how hard you press down the keys, maybe can, can give you a different sound. You can hear these weird kind of tape sounds if you don't press it down enough. Um, they can get, they go out of tune. You, know, you have to tune them. You have to, you have to probably have to make sure that they're in tune with each other. Sometimes song to song they can go out of tune. Um, how, do, how do you tune a melody? Uh, that just sounds. Well, actually, it just has a, a, a wheel, a little dial. Uh-huh where you can raise and lower the pitch. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's easy enough to tune, but you just have to remember to do yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, if it's, if it's like perfectly in between, you know, perfectly set on those older ones, that's not right. Like the one I'm playing, it has to be, it's, it needs to be offset a little bit. So sometimes I forget. And then we're doing some songs where we're actually shifting the pitch. So we got to bring it, you know, we have to bring it back to tune. So that is, that's fun. Yeah. To, <laughs> so it wasn't very intuitive, even b- being somebody who's played the piano at, um, I mean, for me, I would say that like playing it, like all the, like it, the way I like to hear Mellotron is almost like all white keys, like super like easy. So that, that part of it's easy, but I'd agree with Jonathan. Like there's a lot of little quirks and when quirky we're quirky and when we've been composing specifically, we've been using the digital Mellotrons a lot. There's a lot, you know, there, like I said earlier, there's some, there's limitations, there's only so many sounds, but you know, we're tr- flipping through trying to find the sounds that work together and you might find, uh, you might find a, a sound that works with, that you think will work, but it's a little bit out of tune from another sound because there's samples and you can't really modify them. And then there's a lot of these rhythm and fills where you've got you know, pieces of a whole band playing and they're like not in the same key of the note you're hitting. So we've got, like it took us a few minutes to figure that out. It's like, oh, this is, just hit A, play an A. And it's like, oh no, this sample that I'm playing isn't an A. So you need to like rethink it. So that's been fun. And, and plus with Mellotrons, there's, there's an eight second limit as to each sound. So you have to get used to, not everything goes on past eight seconds. So you have to get used to that too, so. So uh, have you guys recorded anything yet? No. Not yet. No, we've been, I've got that little digital recorder that I've been, we've been recording practices and stuff, but we're going to have um, Kevin Cubbins, who does, runs Beale Street Caravan. He's graciously agreed to come help us out on Thursday night. So Thursday and Friday night of this week, he's going to come down and, and we're going to um, do some recording, um, hopefully capture some good stuff. And then Saturday, he's going to record the show. So amongst all those three nights we're hoping we can piece together the the record we promised people so <laughs> nice. yeah i was really excited to see that mm-hmm. there was going to be a record yes yeah i mean you know most shows um you know kind of disappear into the ether when you're done and um and you know people can record them you can record them on your phone but i knew this was going to be special and i really wanted you know there to be and I, 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 from the minute we decided to do this show i was like i want to create an artifact of this show because i knew it would be really special 
just you know based on the where we were going to be the people that were involved so and we'll get into more of what inspired the show but i want to um so have you guys do you now want to take this back in uh, your current bands to use Mellotrons for anything? No, Winston would never let us. Do that. <laughs> well, of course, we'd turn them out. No, he Hold would. On. He would. He would let us do it. But it's. It's. I mean, they're not. They're. They're again, like like Jonathan would say, they're they're sensitive instruments. Yeah. And actually, Winston's got them in road cases, so they're kind of easy to move if you have like a a way to move them. But I mean. I mean, yeah, I'd love to, but I see that. I mean, the digital Mellotrons, I mean, you see bands all the time with those now. I mean, y'all so. use plugins all the time anyway. And we use plugins, yeah. yeah. Which have the original recordings anyway, so. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, in, in the history of it, do you guys believe that it took away from the orchestra or ever actually posed a threat to the orchestra? I would say absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> really. I mean, I mean, a Mellotron sounds like a Mellotron, it, it, you know. When they, you know, in the old days, when they, the music unions or whatever got concerned, I mean, I can see where they're coming from back then. But if you really, I mean, once you really listen to it, especially the way it's been used famously, I mean, there's, it doesn't really sound like three strings or a flute. It sounds like a melody. To me, it does, you know. Right. Yeah. Plus, it's like I said, the, the instrument has limitations. Right. And you press down a key, there's really only one kind of attack, mm. you know. There's it, only one. Yeah. There's only one. There's only one kind of attack for a particular sound. Um, unlike you know, a real musician, so it, it really has its own distinct sound. I, I could completely understand the, the why people would be frightened back in the day. I mean, like anything that's new, people get scared, and you know they're like, oh, it sounds just like my flute, you know, and then, like yeah, a whole orchestra of mellotrons, but or being like the first sampler, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We don't need musicians anymore. Right, 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 We're done right, with right. Musicians. Is, yeah. is that? Did I just hear an idea for another concert? An, Which uh, one? A Mellotron Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> is that the next? Ooh, step? That's a challenge. <laughs> don't yeah, don't tempt. Don't tempt. Right. <laughs> but it really did change the way that people started performing music. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think that um, many users really actually tried to use the Mellotron to really sub to, to truly substitute mm-hmm. orchestral parts of anything you know what I mean because it's just not possible yeah and I mean as we've been kind of diving deep in or I've been diving deep into it becoming familiar with someone like Rod Keith I mean there's not a lot of music out there that's like you know created just for Mellotron we were talking with somebody uh the other day about like you know there are a ton of uh, of Moog records um and all these records like you know you know obviously a lot of piano records and stuff but theremin records but there's not I mean there's not really a Mellotron record. I mean, you know, they don't see those out a lot. So, I don't know. Maybe it just. I mean, maybe just the the the, the because it was so big. I mean, the ther- theremin was probably a little more portable. So, so what what brought about this performance? Um, what why now? And what made you guys want to do it now? Um, you know, back to seeing that that you know going over to Winston's house because he he called me and said you know he had finished building that. I knew, you know, was working on it and he finished it and he was working with the guy in London at Streetly to put in the inner parts of it. And he called me, he said, it's all done. And the guy in London wants to, you know, see a video of it and hear it played or whatever. And he's like, but I I don't play keyboard. Can you come over and play it? So I went over there with my daughter and we we kind of played around with it. And I was like, all right, what are are you going to do? What's next? And Wynn's like, I don't know. I mean, I think it was that (laughs) night you actually said, we should do something. We should. Yeah form an idea yeah so which I, was, you did. I initially started thinking maybe we do this like at 
you know, Winston, you know, I was like, Winston doesn't want to move the Mellotron. We'll do like a little concert at your house. And then it kind of, well, it'd be fun to, you know, do, you know, maybe a series of concerts or what, you know, so I was thinking about a lot of different options and then thought, well, you know, I wonder if there's ever been a duets for Mellotron. So I Googled it. There hadn't. Well, we could say it's the world's first duets for Mellotron. <laughs> and then literally the first person I thought of was Jonathan. And I don't know. I mean, maybe just we played and I don't maybe because the cello sounds so cool on the Mellotron that that was like maybe Jonathan would be probably, and give I, up the cello now. And and I, well, <laughs> and I knew that we were going to do some composing for it. And, um, you know, we've worked a lot in Mouse Rocket together. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to do it. Well, Winston, I want you to tell us what Robbie's talking about. So you built this Mellotron and if you could kind of describe it and what it looked like in the process. I did. Um, at one point I got so obsessed with all this I started collecting original parts for Mellotron and I, I, I got a, an original faceplate or control plate um, and you know I just sit there and look at this thing and I was you know I was, and, then I, and then I got an actual power on off switch which are really hard to find. So at that point I was like well you know I could if I had the guts of one, I could probably build a cabinet around it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why don't I just order a new, um, a new, new mechanism, new chassis, and then just build a whole brand new one? And I called the guys at Streetly and threw it at them, and they were like, yeah, we can do that. And I was like, well, what about can you, if I send you the same wood that I'm making the cabinet out of, if I send you pieces to make the sharps, can you cut those parts and glue them to the keyboard? And they're like, yeah, of course we can. And, so it was um, about a year of every other weekend. I'd just spend a few hours on it, which is the best way to do it because, you know, you kind of really take your time. And, um, and Robbie was the first person I called when, when it was finished because I was like, I'd, if there's one person who will really appreciate it, it's Robbie. So, you know, that's that day he came it, over. And you can't see it on a, on a podcast, but, uh, I mean, it is a be- it's beautiful. I mean, redwood and, uh, and <laughs> ebony keys. And, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And we're going to have it displayed, um, uh, you know, up in the window here for the uh, during the show. So. And you also had some cool, like, uh, visual aesthetics happening uh, during the show. You want to talk about that? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, we said we should have some sort of visual aspect to this. And I think I may have thrown out halfway serious about a liquid light show because, you know, whatever. But <laughs> And then I think someone, maybe Robbie, said, yeah, or whatever. And I was like, well, let me get on YouTube and see if there's an instructional video and sure enough there was one and um, we uh, Robbie fortunately hooked me up with John Markham um, who he works with and knows very well who's completely made this actually happen I mean I've done I did actual liquid and and stuff but John has helped actually make help me figure out how to execute this you know and show it on multiple screens and things so and when I mentioned it to John about it I was like well, you know Winston's like thinking about doing this light show he's like he, he grew up uh in California and he I guess in the he knew of, exactly he knew ex- a he knew exactly what what we were talking about and b he knew like the dude that worked on the light show for Jefferson Airplane so he knew the dudes that did it and how they did it so I mean Winston already had a good idea and but I mean John having John John there, was like a one step ahead yeah, almost yeah definitely so he's been, and John's been helping a lot with the, um, the projections as well. So we're, you know, we're super, really, really excited about it. So, I mean, we're hoping we're going to work through some of the details, but one of the things we're going to show too is have video, a video camera on each of the Mellotrons. So, and that's projected onto the wall. So as we're playing, you can see the mechanism, mechanism of the, of the Mellotron move. So. 
I mean, it was a joke initially, but when it started coming together, I was like, this is actually kind of neat. It I mean, I looked. Really and we've, and we, we've been coming in, you know, in the evenings and had this stuff on. And that, for, you know, that night we were like, we need a couple more, th- you know, pieces. And we wrote like, I think three or four more pieces mm-hmm. that night we were in here just with the. It was with, so inspiring. Yeah. Just yeah. seeing the visuals. It was, it was amazing. It's yeah. really cool. It's incredible, actually. So, yeah. This sounds like a very organic project. Yeah. yeah. Organic's the word. (laughs) (laughs) What has been the most fun through this process so far? Everything for me. Uh, Everything. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I play a lot of gigs. Uh, I I play in clubs a lot. I've done, you know, um, kind of done a little bit of the experimental stuff with man control, which is, which is super fun. Um, But this, there's something about this show where, there's just been a lot of excitement. Like sometimes you do a show where people just get it, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of anticipation. So we've got the visual aspect. We've got, that's been fun getting it together, working with, with all the people doing that. And I mean, then just getting the music together has been awesome. So every, you know, doing it Crosstown Arts too is really special. Everyone here has, has, I mean, they've just helped in every aspect of it, like from like making sure we had beer to like <laughs> making sure the projectors are set up to, you know, helping with every aspect of the show. So, I mean, the first, the first, the first thing for me was the first very night that they, that John and Robbie came to the office and started practicing and did the first, the first song I heard, I was completely just like, this is going to be really good. I mean, I love the first thing I heard was like, God, this sounds so good. Yeah. That's Jonathan's piece, which, yeah. which was the first yeah. piece, which is really beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to find something that, that hasn't been done before a million times, but I don't, I don't think this has ever been done before. That's part of why it's, it's so special. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a uh, experience that people haven't had before musically and I think visually too. It's a really unique, special, special thing. And that was our conversation with Robbie, Jonathan, and Winston. I hope you enjoyed it, and we are excited about the Mellotron record. Starting at 10 a.m. on January 13th, the duets for Mellotron LP will be ready for pickup at Crosstown Arts for those that purchase the record at the live concert. You can also purchase one for $20 there. Check out Crosstown Arts on Facebook or crosstownarts.org for more information. Also, stay tuned to sonosphere.podcast.com for more podcast episodes coming soon, including discussions on the work of John Cage, Pauline Oliveros, and more. Our episode on the work of Karlheinz Stockhausen is out now. Subscribe on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter. This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams, engineered by Ben Fiss and Amy S., Special thanks to Robbie Grant, Jonathan Kirksey, Winston Eggleston, and Crosstown Arts. Thanks for listening.